All right. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live here, brought to you by Coors Light, as always seen on Giants.com. At the controls today, the boss, Dave Dominic, taking care of us, along with my good buddy, Paul Dottino, I'm Russ Salzberg, and of course, you, the fans, are out there. The number, as always, the call is 201-939-4513. That is 201-939-4513, as the Giants are now back from their bye week, getting ready for... The Bears in the Windy City of Chicago. How are we doing there, Paulie? Oh, good to see you again, Ross. Uh, it was a very weird kind of weekend. You yeah, know, it every was. time there's a bye week, you just never know what to do. You're, you're bouncing off the walls, at least I am. It's hard. It's really hard to go through these bye weeks. Yeah, you, you know, um, th- there's different ways of looking at the bye weeks. Um, a lot of people are of the attitude, and most of the times I feel that way, is that you know, and I think a lot of time players do. When you lose, you want to get back out there right away to erase the taste. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to do that right away. I just felt six-game losing streak, guys are hurt, guys are battered and bruised, and I just thought for all parties concerned, I thought the bye week came at the right time. Everybody could have used the rest. And, you know, people think when they talk, are there going to be major changes in this and that? You know, it's not like they're off for two weeks or three weeks. It's, you know, they've got a few days off. Uh, but I think that being the case, I just think if it's good, maybe some guys can heal up. Maybe Saquon's ankle can feel better. We see uh, Evan Ingram uh, yesterday walking around out there without a boot. That was certainly a good sign. He seemed optimistic. So, um, like I say, now it's cleaning up the mistakes, trying to learn how to close the deal and moving forward for these remaining six games. Well, let's go through yesterday's injury report because I don't think that had been given by the time the show had come on. Uh, if you folks are, are wondering about what the Giants will be able to uh, do against the Bears and the guys who are going to be able to go, as of late yesterday afternoon, remember, there's no practice on Tuesday. Okay, right. so that's today. When the Giants get to the practice field tomorrow, we're going to be looking at these guys to figure out what their status is. Shepard, Jenkins, Solder, Ellison, all in concussion protocol. Four guys, okay? Despite the fact that Shepard was out there at practice, Jenkins was out there with the no-contact yellow uh, penny again. Still, when you're in concussion protocol, that's it. You're, you're, you're under league supervision. They can't get out there and be activated until they get cleared by the NFL. So four guys right now are in the protocol. Solder also was out of town. He was up in Boston because his young son had had to go through surgery uh, last Thursday. He had to have a a, a, a procedure. And so I'll be perfectly frank with you. I don't know exactly, and I don't know if they know, when he's going to be back to report for the team. Uh, prayers with him and his family. Hopefully everything is going to be okay, and he'll be back sooner rather than later. But again, either family issue or concussion protocol makes him very, very much a question for Sunday's game against Chicago. And if he is not available? That means Nick Gates is probably going to wind up playing one of the tackle spots because Mike Remmers, who missed the Giants' last game because of a sore back, Returned to practice yesterday. He looked to be in full. So Remmers is going to be one of the tackles. Now, he's played both right tackle and left tackle during his NFL career. So which one he winds up playing, we're not 100% sure. Coach Shermer wouldn't say. But Nick Gates would be the other tackle. Well, wouldn't it – I mean, if that was the case, wouldn't it make sense to leave uh, – Who did you just say? Gates. Not not Gates. Remmers. Remmers. Wouldn't it it make sense to leave Gates? Remmers at his position that he's been playing this season? Well, this season he's been the right tackle. But remember, he played a full season at left tackle with the Panthers when they went to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So he does have experience at both spots. And Nick Gates has experience at both spots when he was at Nebraska. He played both left and right. I'm I'm, I'm just saying, not not that he doesn't have experience, but... If he's been your right tackle this season. They should probably leave him there. I would say I would tend to agree with you, but... There is adaptability, is, okay. is my point. Well, well, so that's something we'll be taking a, a close look at as we go uh, forward. And then the other injury uh, report was that George uh, Asafa Ajay, 
the rookie offensive tackle. Uh, remember, he got concussed in training camp uh, on the injured list. He actually got on the practice field yesterday and did a few things. Okay. And that was just good to see because, quite frankly, Ross, think about it. Training camp was in August, and he hadn't done anything since then at all. So God bless him that he, he was well and healthy enough to actually get out there with his teammates again for the first time in months. All right, and, and let's talk about a very important offensive weapon, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, as you just said a little while ago, uh, Evan Ingram's out of the boot, and he said he would like to be able to practice at some point midweek with the hope and anticipation that he's preparing to play against the Bears. Well, midweek is tomorrow. It is. So let, let's Thursday's kind of midweek yeah, too. That's still in I, that I, in I that guess. vicinity. But um, listen, he's a weapon. Giants can use a weapon. Daniel Jones can use the weapon. And um, is there any update on how uh, Saquon's feeling? Nothing more on him other than what he said the day before the Giants left for the bye week. He said uh, that, you know, as far as he's concerned, he's out there to play. He's going to give it everything he's got. Nobody's 100% at this point in the season. You know, the stock answers that any pro is going to give you, we're all nicked up, but we all have to go out there and do our jobs. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a question of, you know, everything's been, people have been talking about should they shut him down. Uh, the only th way uh, Saquon Barkley would uh, be shut down if there was fear of, you know, making the injury worse. I just don't see. They wouldn't put him out there if that was the case. I would agree with you. So that being said, the number, as always, folks, is 201-939-4513. And again, remember, this is Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. If you choose to enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of who else but Coors Light, well, then text VIP to 90464 for more oh, details. I left one guy off. Who's that? John Jalapio, the center. Right. And Coming he, back he, from a hamstring, yes. actually took snaps yesterday. Which, when I saw that, I was kind Astounding. of Astounding. Yeah. Coach had said just before the bye, he was going to be a while. A while says to me, what, a month maybe? You don't think a while is going to be missing one game. Well, but, but remember, we throw in the bye week, so... Uh, anyway, we'll see. Yep, we will see. But right now, again, as I say, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's open up the phone lines in uh, Boston. Let's check in with Mike. Hello, Mike. You're on with Russ and Paulie. Hey, Russ. Hey, Paul. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Hi. How you doing? Good. Just a couple of uh, – uh, there were three things. If I, I'll make them quick, though, that I just wanted to uh, just touch on. You know, um, looking at this season, the way things have turned out, I, you know, I had anticipated that this would, you know, be a, a season that is part of that whole rebuilding process, especially with all the rookies. Um, in hindsight, I, I was disappointed when Eli was benched so early, but in hindsight I'm kind of happy about it because I feel like he'd be taking so much of the heat for the fact that we, you know, haven't been able to pull off too many wins this season. So, and I feel like that has been something that's kind of tarnished his legacy. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that he's not taking the credit for the losses at this point and that Daniel's getting the time to develop a little bit, you know, and work out some of those kinks. So that was one of the things. But um, I wanted to see if I could talk a little bit about the, uh, the running backs. Um, big fan of Saquon Barkley. I was thrilled when we drafted him. Um, just a fun player even to watch when he was at Penn State. But um, I like Wayne Gallman as well, and Wayne Gallman kind of reminds me of Ahmad Bradshaw in some respects, his size, the way he runs. And I like seeing him on the field. And I know Sa Saquon's banged up a little bit. To me, Saquon is like an upgrade over, let's say, a Tiki Barber, a bigger version of him. But having the luxury of, of having both of those backs the weeks that we really struggled in our running game was when um, Gallman was out with the concussion. And I feel like he's a very consistent runner, you know, in terms of picking up consistent yardage and maybe another analogy, you know, you know, we have, I don't know, you know, how you feel about this, but it's almost like having Babe Ruth and Derek Jeter, you know, maybe, you know, sometimes instead of the home run hit, you take the, uh, well, you know, the long drive to center field and uh, take, take a base hit. Well, well, no, Mike, I, I would, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll let Paulie give his opinion. I'll give you mine on that. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Gallman a little more, especially if, if Saquon 
is is not himself because you know uh listen when Gallman filled in for him it was everybody was thrilled and then you know Gallman got the concussion the only thing that I would disagree with you I I I just find the comparison uh, a little strange Gallman to Ahmad Bradshaw Ahmad Bradshaw to me was a little big man about uh, mm-hmm. you, would you agree with that Paul yeah. he, he just he, he was to me was a different type of runner but uh, listen I concur with you Mike I wouldn't mind seeing Gallman in there a bit more so you, you get no argument from me Paul yeah I would add one thing about the Gallman situation and I don't compare him to Bradshaw at all no. I think they're totally different backs but what I would say is this Right now, Saquon Barkley, no matter how much he wants to talk about his responsibility to play, it's clear when you watch him that he that he's having some trouble with the ankle. It's not 100%, and we understand that. But when you watch him get bull rushed by a pass rusher and, and he's not holding up well in pass protection in the pocket because he can't anchor. Now, right. that's a liability. So it seems to me, and I get it, you want to spot Gorman. You don't want to... Just plug him in haphazardly. You want to spot him. But there are times when Goldman could be in there not just to run the ball and spare Barkley some carries, but Goldman is a good pass protector. And there are times when I truly believe that right now, and I and I really hesitate to say this, but Goldman could be a more effective pass protector than Barkley in certain situations on the field simply because not only is he good at it, he's also healthy. And, you know, Barkley's right. playing on a, on a sore ankle. And well, the Jets clearly took advantage of that. If you watch the game, you saw what happened to Barkley. He got bull rushed but, but, twice on sacks. But, but, again, that is right. when game time comes, that's going to be two weeks ago. So, hopefully, Saquon is healthier now and, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes, I won't say a mood point, but a point that well, is changed. Let me say this to you. Yeah. If, you're the, if you're the Chicago Bears and you saw that tape against the Jets, you're going to test Barkley early in this game with a pressure package, and you're going to send someone right through him to try to get to the quarterback and see if Barkley can anchor on that ankle. That's just I, what any coordinator would do. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying. And if he can't hold up, then the Giants need to worry about I, maybe mixing up those snaps a bit. I would concur. I'm, I'm just saying we'll also see two weeks later from the you know when game time How comes, much better is he how feeling? How much better he's been. Thanks for the call, Mike. Thank you, Mike. All right, thank you, thank you. Thank you. All right, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to uh, Antonio in Manhattan. Hello, Antonio. You're on with Russ and Paulie. Hey, Russ. Happy that. How's everything going with you Hello. guys? Hello. What's going Thanks on? Thanks for calling. I just want to say one thing in terms of Saquon. Uh, Paz, I can forget to my point. Saquon just needs to lay one BB out. Just a strong safety, a free safety, or a corner that comes in blitzing. He just needs to lay just straight pancake type of just flatten somebody out, and, and that misconception will go right away because he definitely has the leg power, the strength. Well, no, no, but hold, hold on a second, that. Antonio. Uh, that is one of the things, though, that Paul uh, brought up. I, I, I think, you know, everybody's talking about the running with uh, Saquon. I also believe, again, hopefully he's, you know, from the last time he played, in a game to yeah. when he faces off against the Bears in Chicago, it's going to be two weeks. But but I do believe also that ankle mm-hmm. has a clear-cut effect on his pass protection because I don't think he can anchor, or, or you certainly having trouble anchoring some, that ankle. Is there something wrong with his shoulders, too? Because I kind of saw him like, like holding onto his shoulders, favoring his shoulders. Is there well, something wrong I, with his shoulders? I think everybody yeah, gets banged that, up that, during the course of the season. I don't think that's anything to necessarily yeah. be worried about, but let, let me just well, say one thing. Yeah. It, this is not a misconception about Barkley. There are some people now piling on him, saying that he's mm-hmm. not very good in pass protection. But yet last year as a rookie, if you actually want to go back and not use this revisionist history garbage that people are trying to put out there, Barkley mm-hmm. allowed two sacks last year. One was when he missed a cut block, and the other one yeah. was when he got bull rushed. He gave up two sacks for all the snaps that he played in the backfield last year, Russ. And, and so I will take exception to those who say, oh, guess what? He's not any good at it and can't do it. Now, I, again, he got bull rushed into two sacks the other day against the Jets. 
And that's because he's on a gippy ankle. So let's yeah. kill the narrative that he's not at least an adequate pass protector because I'm not buying that. I'm yeah, just I'm not, not worried about that either. Um, so just want to get to my point, guys. So one thing that I want to see now that we're coming off of this bye week is I want to see the offense take it to another level. Listen, this is pretty much dress rehearsal for next year. So let's do things like let's get ready for next year in the sense of, Let's have Daniel Jones now call his own protection. Let's have him identify the mic. He's not doing that right now. And I think that's time to get off the offensive line calling the, the, the protections because it's not working anyway. So if it's not working anyways, let Daniel Jones do it. Let him get used to it. Let him make his mistakes right now. That's one thing that I would want to point out. Another thing is I want to see the offense have more motion. The, oh, right now the motion that's in the offense is mostly to just do crack blocks. Let's have motion in pass, in, in pass situations, not just run situations. And let's call more draws, more play actions, and more screens. But in order to do that, we need to take more opportunities downfield. So that's just what I want to see. I just want to see more. I want to take the kick gloves out of this offense. That's it. It's been already a good seven weeks, I think, since Danny Jones has been uh, in the quarterback. I, I, Antonio, all the, games. all the things that you're saying, I, I get, but you've got to remember one thing. When you talk about, the, take, the, you say take the kid gloves off, it's not that they, they haven't been trying to do things. You know, Daniel Jones hasn't had everybody healthy in the lineup. He hasn't had right. all his weapons in the lineup. Not once. Not once. Not ever. Not ever. And, and many times, he's had more than one weapon out at one time, in, including Saquon, including Shep, including Ingram. Oh, and I, and that would stop it from getting the deep bombs out, and I understand that maybe that's, a, that's why the big plays haven't been there because his weapons haven't been there. But still, little things like, you know, hard counts, uh, uh, quick counts, uh, identifying the Mike linebacker, do, uh, do, uh, identifying your own protection. I think those are the things that doesn't matter who personnel is in there. I think that's things that Antonio learned now. You you just helped make my argument even stronger why a rookie quarterback should not play in year one and should sit for the entire first season of his career. Because I the, doubt that either, okay, yeah. and that and that's been my argument all along. Rookie quarterback in the NFL, unless absolutely necessary, where you can't avoid it, he should sit for a season and learn from the veteran. Because right now you have a guy who, as a rookie, is not even half-baked and been thrown into the situation in week three yeah. and has had to learn on the job. Now, yep. that's a philosophy that I have. I'm not picking on Daniel Jones. I'm not picking on Coach Pat Shermer. I'm simply saying to you, my general philosophy has always been, and I know that guys in the NFL today are, are in such a hurry to get the rookie quarterbacks in the lineup. I, I'm more old school. Now. I'm more old school. I think, I, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing, though. You're right. It's done. It's done. He's in the lineup. Yeah. So now what you have to do is understand that your expectations need to be on the appropriate curve, understanding mm -hmm. that you want to keep throwing more stuff onto his shoulders. And you're right. He does have to yeah. learn. He does have to gradually kind of mature and get into all of these things. But you can't expect him to be ready to do the whole McGee overnight. And I think no, right now you're asking that. for a little too much. But that's the thing where I'm a little bit confused because Daniel Jones was drafted in the perception that he's NFL ready in terms of Whoa. he understands pro. The no, 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 no. Hold on a second. No, 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 Antonio, that's a false narrative. He, he wasn't mm. – he, he was drafted as a guy who – they believed to be the franchise quarterback of the future. To say right away right. he was automatically NFL ready. Listen, they saw things. They were looking at, at, at Eli, and right. um, they were looking at Daniel, and, and Pat Shermer made the decision, and they moved right. forward. And, and I'm not, listen, right. I, I, I tend to agree with Paul uh, about rookie quarterbacks, but. Uh, Daniel Jones, you, you know, yeah, everybody would listen. Yeah, there's been interceptions. Yes, there have been fumbles. There's also been 15 touchdowns, not playing with a full deck. There's been a lot of toughness, both mentally and physically displayed. And mm -hmm. it, th th there's leadership and character. So, you know, to say this has been a mistake, I don't think anybody would remotely or should remotely say that because, quite frankly, I think it's been a success. 
have, have well, you no- don't know. Yeah, you don't. You, you can't say whether it's a failure or success. We need time. Yeah. So that, that, that's that's no, but but to, but to, but what I'm Antonio to say and and thank you, buddy, for the call. But to say mm-hmm. no to, problem, to, to, to say it was automatically NFL ready. I, I listen. I don't think anybody was saying that he was the closest to being pro ready of the quarterbacks in this class that does not mean he was nfl ready it just means he was much further along much more polished and much closer to being ready than anybody else and and boy you you certainly wouldn't have believed that the way everybody reacted when he was drafted i know you got to look at it always have to look at it on a curve and because of david cutcliffe at duke that's why he was so far ahead of all of the other rookie quarterbacks in this class. I would just add one final thing to you, Antonio. It was Antonio, correct? Yes. John Mara himself, the Giants co-owner himself, said if he had his wish, Eli would have a great year. That meant the team would have a great year. The Giants would be in playoff contention in December, and Daniel Jones wouldn't have to play a snap. John Mara said that himself in August. That would be the best-case scenario. The best-case scenario didn't happen. That's just the way life is sometimes. Yeah, you know, but I'm just saying, uh, to me, it still remains laughable now. Uh, you know, when, when when you think about all the hullabaloo that was raised when the draft went on last April, and just to think about uh, everybody was screaming, how the hell could they take uh, Daniel Jones and not Haskins? And boy, I think well, it, well, no, no, but that was that not was me. not. I didn't say it was you, but <laughs> they were screaming, and the same people who were screaming about that, it, it once the season started, they were screaming for Daniel Jones to be in the lineup, and I'm talking about members of the media. I mean, I, it, it was rampant. You know, how could they pick Daniel Jones? Where, where did they come up grabbing this guy six when this guy was available? But a beep, but a bop, but a boop, and then the minute the season started, you know, and now. You know, now you're reading, it's, it's obvious how, and hearing, well, it's obvious how, you know, Haskins is not ready. You, you know, he just was in college for a year. Come on. You know, when you're two and eight, there's all kinds of philosophies and everybody's speculating and has opinions. And you know what opinions are like? Everybody has one. So um, <laughs> that is the story with that. But no, I, I, I get what Antonio was saying. I'm just saying, uh, you know, if we're going to be fair about it, Daniel Jones has not had a full, healthy offensive unit together. Not once. No dispute. I, I that's mean, just a fact. I, you're you know, stating a fact. So, so you're asking, you know, that's a lot. And then no one's making excuses. Believe me, the last guy on this team in that locker room who makes excuses after a game is Daniel Jones. Not, not remotely. Not, not even close to an excuse. You know, he, he's displayed physical and mental toughness and leadership. And quite frankly, you know, when you want to talk about, well, progress, I think that's progress. I, I think it bodes well for him moving forward for the rest of this season and next season. But there are growing pains because, you know what, he's not just growing alone. There are a lot of other rookies, you know, out there, uh, offensively, defensively, it is what it is. 201-939-4513 is the number. Again, uh, folks, if you subscribe to Giants, uh, the Giants Audio Podcast, please note that beginning December 1, which is not too far away, Big Blue Kickoff Live here will have its own dedicated podcast. You can begin subscribing right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcast uh, platform. So again, starts December 1, Big Blue Kickoff Live will no longer be available in the Giants Audio Podcast. So subscribe to the Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast. You can still watch or listen to the show, of course, on Giants.com and the Giants app. Russ, we have some tweets. Go ahead. Uh, We have Just the Giants Fan Podcast. That's his Twitter name. Says, if the Giants ever play in Mexico City like the Chargers did last night, (laughs) right? They played the Chiefs last night. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if the helmets said gigantes in the old school style. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, it's an interesting opinion. Go ahead. And a kind of opinion you have during a bye week because there's not much else to say. I'll I'll let you make the trip to Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'll be on the sideline for that one. Maybe they'll play in Tijuana. 
Oh, my goodness. Uh, Alex Wilson asks about uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, asking what is the point of him playing again this season as he's come back from two concussion protocols. Look, again, the league will determine when he's yeah. capable. I, I, I think, folks, I, I think that's something that just people don't understand. It's, it's not Giants protocol. It's league protocol. Right. It's concussion protocol. Now, I don't think we've gone over this time and time again. I don't think, first of all, Shepard's a tough kid. He wants to be out there. Uh, but he also, he's also not stupid. He's a young man with a family. He's married. He's got a young daughter. Uh, that's more important than, than, than football. Uh, he doesn't want to jeopardize that, nor himself, but he wants to be out there. I don't think he would jeopardize himself if he sat down with a doctor or he's not feeling good. I mean, listen, to his credit, he was happy as a pig in slop the day before, it, uh, you know, when they told him he was going out to play, and then he showed up on the, the what was it, the Saturday? I'm trying uh, to it was on a Friday oh, night on a Friday he first night. told them that right. something wasn't right. And, and that was that. So... Like to me, you know, he was thrilled to play. You just don't know how it's going to affect him the next day. And the coach and and Ronnie Barnes is is not going to put anybody out there. I mean, he's always David Deal and myself were talking about it. Uh, Ronnie is always going to err on the side of caution. He he will not put anybody, not even error. He he just he'll just be careful. So I don't I don't think. Um, I don't think that's a, if he can play and he's deemed healthy to play, that means he's healthy to play. And if you're saying, well, what's the purpose? The purpose of this six games left in a season. He's a professional football player. That's what he does for a living. That's true. A.J. Marshall says, no disrespect to Jack Rabbit, but he shouldn't be playing for the remaining six games of the season because he wants to seal Sam Beal uh, get some snaps in his place. Now, Sam was activated for the last game and did wind up playing a healthy amount of snaps. I think it was almost a dozen right. when Jack Rabbit went out because of the concussion protocol. And and Coach himself said he thought Beal did a, a pretty good job with those snaps. Uh, look, there is no question that the Giants would like Sam Beal to be part of their future. Whether or not you know he gets a bunch more snaps over the final month and a half remains to be seen, but... I think you can rest assured that Sam Beal is going to be on this team in 2020. Well, I, yeah, I agree with you. But, but at the same point, what's the fellow's name who just... Uh, A.J. Marshall. I think A.J., you know, is a fair point. Listen, if we want to know and we want Beal to be part of the future, and if the coach wants him to be part of the future, then you, you're going to want to see him get more snaps. But I don't think that means completely forgetting about uh, Jackrabbit. I mean... It just means getting Beal back in there. Well, again, let's understand it's the concussion protocol, which means the league controls when Jack Rabbit is cleared to play, period. Let's just make that very clear. Yeah, this is not a Giants coaching decision. You know, Paul, I never I, I never asked this question. Maybe, maybe you know. When we say it is Giants, it is concussion protocol, league mandated. Which doctors make the final decision on that? There are independent concussion it's specialists. In, it's independent. Correct. Right. And they go through an evaluation process. And, and I'm not going to go through the specifics because it's never been explained to me in complete detail. But I do know there are several steps that you must clear as you go through the concussion protocol. And you must clear all of the steps before the league says you can go back on the field and play in a game. You know, folks, believe me. When I'm out there seeing the guys every day out there running around with the helmet on and the shoulder pads on, whether they have the yellow uh, jersey on or not, I'm saying, well, crying out loud. Right, you think they can go, but they can go. that's but, not the final step. But going in practice and not being hit and going in a game mm -hmm. and getting hit is a far different situation. Especially at high speed. Uh, yeah, yeah, a far, far different situation. And when it's not your teammates that you're running around with when it's the opponent trying to win a game on Sunday. So, sure. So the situation really becomes, you know, quite a bit different. 201-939-4513 is the number, folks. Phone lines are open, so feel free to give us a call. Any more? Uh, we have actually no more tweets right at the moment. So, folks, if you want to get us on Twitter uh, or get us, uh, you know, that's hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter, or, again, as you uh, gave the number out already, Russ, people can give us a call. I did want to mention that the Giants are, are in Chicago on Sunday, and 
If you got a chance to look at the Bears the other day, uh, they lost to the Rams 17-7. Trubisky is having a really difficult time this year. In fact, uh, one of the the items that I saw is that his quarterback rating, which I don't pay a lot of attention to, but has dropped more significantly than any other quarterback in the league since last year. And now he's got himself an injured hip. And so it looks like Chase Daniel is going to be the quarterback against the Giants for the second year in a row. They beat Chase Daniel in the Bears last season, if right. you remember. So, you know, maybe some deja vu all over again. Who knows? But this is a Bears team that, you know, at 4-5, and five, still in the playoff mix. Okay, let's not kid ourselves. They Are they 4-5 and five now? They're 4-5 and five at oh. the moment, but they're still in the mix. 4-6, um, and six, I'm uh, sorry, 4-6. and six. Yeah. I miscalculated the number. Uh, but they're still they're still in the mix. Not out of it for sure. Uh, so you know they're going to be playing for everything that they've got. And this defense, which is very solid, okay, and they can get after the quarterback, uh, they're going to give the Giants fits on Sunday and give them all they can handle. Now, offensively, they are certainly challenged. Let's not make any mistake about that. So, you know, the Giants have to go into with the mindset, I think, that this is probably going to be a low-scoring game. And you're not going to be able to survive the kinds of mistakes that the Giants have made in the last month and a half of the season if you're going to win it. Well, I, I li- listen, uh, survival with those mistakes. You know, we can talk about this game plan and that scheme and this and that. The bottom line is when you get down to it, <clears throat> it's still football. And it's what's the cardinal rule in football? Protecting the football. Yeah. And that's something that has been a problem, the biggest problem. There's couple been, lines still open, by the way, 201-939-4513. Go ahead, Russ. No, th- there's been the turnovers. And, and you know, you, you can have your game plans all you want, but your game plans go right out the window if you're giving the oh, ball yeah. away. No it, doubt. It just, and, and I don't want to, I mean, it, it, it sounds basic, folks, but that's basically what it is. It, it's protecting the football. And, and, you know, I, I think, I, Paul, I think sometimes there's a slippery slope, uh, you know, for, for coaches and players because you can lose the football. And again, I'm not making excuses, but you can lose the football for being aggressive, for trying to go get go and get the job done. You can mm-hmm. also lose the football for just being careless. I don't think that's the case at all with Daniel Jones with you know nine lost fumbles and, and and eight interceptions I think he's always tried to make a play I don't think it's a matter of you know being lax lackadaisical or anything like that I just think you know you got to be more prudent in your decision making and um, you know as far as protecting the football listen uh, it wasn't with you last week I, I was discussing it with David Deal. We, we remember a pretty good running back by the name of Tiki Barber, who had a miserable problem. You mentioned that to me the other yeah, day. You know, but a, a, a not a small problem, a big problem protecting the football, a big problem protecting mm-hmm. the football, and it got corrected. You know, so um, well, I don't. Do, do I need to tell you just in the last thirty years, Sims had trouble holding on to the ball when he was younger as a quarterback. He used to get hit and put it on the ground a number of times. Kerry Collins had horrible fumbleitis until the Giants wound up fixing that, and then he took him to a Super Bowl. You know, I forgot. Kurt Warner, you're right. Had bad fumbleitis the one year that he was here. I forgot about Kerry Collins. You're right about that. He he had some significant fumbleitis. It, it, all of a sudden, it popped up out of nowhere. That one year, he just started putting the ball on the ground almost every time he was hit. It seemed like almost like a slump with the with the kicker. And they fixed it. Yep. So. You know, this is not something that that I think is going to be a habitual problem for Daniel Jones. I think it's just a set of circumstances. And by the way, 11 of his 13 fumbles this year have come in the pocket. Two of them have come on the run, one in each game against the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's a different set of circumstances. The ones in the pocket, there have been 11 of them. Okay? Four of them were blindside strip sacks as he was cocking to throw the ball. That's circumstances. Another one was because he threw a lateral behind the line of scrimmage, an overhand lateral to Barkley, which goes as a fumble on his record. But but that's not really a fumble. No, and and listen, when you're cold-cocked, 
you know, from just okay. an on-rushing bull. That's all, you know. Then there was another fumble that he had where he got drilled in the small of the back just as he was about to bring the ball up and cock it. He got crunched like a Mack truck from the blind side, practically split him in half, and the ball came free. I can't blame him for that one either. So of his 13 fumbles, I have him, I have him responsible, okay, for six in the pocket and two while he was on the run, and he was a runner, not a quarterback. All right. 201-939-4513 is the number. Paulie? We're going fast. Are, Are you ready? We're going to Portland, Maine. Oh, you know what go. that means, Portland, Maine. Strap it in. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> go, Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Hey, What's guys. going on? How y'all doing? Good. How what you? do you got? Hey, hey, hey Paul. Yeah. That, that year that Kurt Warner was with us, he had a bad thumb. Yes. He had some real issues with his thumb, and he couldn't hold on to the ball. After that year, when his thumb got better, that's when he really started playing the way he played to the Super Bowl. So that's correct. That was the reason for the fumble. Well, I although, think. to be honest with you, if you remember, uh, Kurt, uh, that year, when yeah, he had come off a thumb injury with the Rams, and yeah. we all attributed it to the injury. Kurt always said that was not the case. Just to be fair, now whether or not you want to believe him is another story. But he had always said to us that the thumb injury was not a cause of those fumbles. Um, but the, you know, I bet whatever. The, you know what? Charlie's got a good memory because I forgot about that. But when, when he brought it up, I do remember the thumb. And in, in fairness, again, that was Kurt Warner. That was Kurt Warner also right. saying, you know, not, not making excuses. Now, but that could very well. You you might very well be right on that, Charlie. And my timeline is wrong. But remember, the year after the Super Bowl, Kerry Collins, and I have it up right here, in 2000, uh, 2001, led the NFL with 23 fumbles. 23 wow. for Kerry Collins in 2001. The next year, he started all 16 games again and only had eight. From 23, it went down to eight. Now, understand, all right, the Giants' pass protection at that particular time. a little time, better. <laughs> well, it went from 35 sacks to 24 sacks. Oh, that, so yeah. the pass pro was better, but he significantly solved his fumbleitis. But, but, but that number that you just mentioned on his sacks is significant. You know, it certainly relates. Understood. Yeah. What else? Understood. What else you got, Charlie? Hey, I was just going to say... Uh, um, you know, Russ, you were saying that, you know, the bye week is not a lot of time, but Atlanta Falcons did pretty well during that bye week. They changed a bunch of coaches around. They changed some players, and they won three in a row. And actually, they, they smoked the teams three in a row. Mm -hmm. So some, some things can happen, and some things can change if you have the will to do it. Understood. Okay. You know? And then one last thing is just about Shepard. I don't know a lot about concussions, but I do know if they come one and two right after each other, it is a lot easier to get another one, and it's more severe. So to me, if Shepard goes out there and gets another one, that could be his career. Why not let him sit out the rest of the year, give him a whole year of, like, no contact, being away from those concussions, and let him come back fresh. And, because if he has one more this season, that's it. Well, Char so, Charlie, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, that's just a common-sense approach. But I don't know. And, again, you know, I don't know that that's not the thinking with the Giants. I, right, I, I just, right. you know, it's a situation. I'll tell you what. Let's say he was rested. Let's just say, and I'm just throwing this out there hypothetically. Let's yep. let's say he was rested and set out the remainder of the year. Go, goes to camp next year, and right away, the first day of camp, suffers a concussion, and it, and it's here we go again. But it, it, I agree. With, I understand with what you're saying, and I, to a point, I do agree with it because first of all, I I think the scariness already has happened that he's had two concussions in a row, and I think right. that's the reason where he's not feeling so good. Or when, when he, listen, he went through, he had the, the two concussions in a row, he went through the protocol, he, he was feeling great. I mean, seeing him in the locker room when he was declared ready to go, he was happy as, as, as a lark. I mean, he was like a little kid getting ready for a high school playoff game. Mm -hmm. Next game. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, somebody else said this to me, and I'm not a doctor, Charlie, uh, Paul, I'm not a doctor. Nobody's calling me Dr. Salzburg, Dr. Russ. But 
it didn't make sense. I think you some know, people are calling you a doctor. <laughs> every, everybody's makeup. You might need a doctor. Yeah, but yeah. Everybody's makeup, chemical balance makeup, could be a little different. And right. certain, certain, be it a concussion or what have you, certain things affect people in a different way. You know, I don't know if it's, like say, his chemical makeup or what. But yeah, it does make sense, Charlie. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't rule that out. I'm just saying I'm not a doctor, and the league takes care of it. And I, I think, as I said before, uh, Shep is well aware of what's at stake. He's well aware of his future. He's well aware of his family, and I think that's his priority. If there's one thing about this, Charlie, we got to let you go because we have other calls sure. coming in. If there's one thing we can say about this, Ross, and Sterling Shepard made this clear to us after the first concussion, and that is he is so much more aware of his body and so much more informed about what the concussion symptoms are and what's involved, that he is much more acute in his awareness of what's going on with him. I, so you know that when he told them uh, just a couple of weeks ago that, hey, you know what, uh, I'm not feeling right, that was actually to his benefit uh, that well, he told them. And I don't think for a second, in fact, I would say this, you know, and I'm not thinking and speaking for Sterling Shepard, but being a young man, I think when you have a wife and a child or children, and all of a sudden you start thinking a little differently about your responsibilities than if you, you're just a single guy. Well, maybe I can go out there. You know, all of a sudden, I'm looking. Well, maybe it's you not, do. It's not just about me. It's about other people as well. Again, that that's speculation. But I, I, I will say this till I'm blue in the face. Ronnie Barnes, who's the trainer, and nobody is more cautious than Ronnie. I mean, we've seen guys go to other teams that were deemed not acceptable here, and Jim Burt did that. Well, am I, I mean, right. It wasn't position. a concussion. No, but, it wasn't a concussion. But Jim, but the, but, Jim had, had but, back but, issues. But the point being, that was Ronnie. In Ronnie's estimation, no. It wasn't. You didn't want to discard the guy. The Giants are probably yeah, the most safety-driven, yes. conservative medical staff in the league. Really? I, I, and, and that's not because we're sitting here. I, I, if they're not the most, certainly I like to know who is. Let's put it that way. All right. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to Jackson, New Jersey, and check in with Jason. Hello, Jason. You're on with Russ and Paulie. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hi. So, so I, I just want to—I want to be the first one to go on record because I don't know if anybody did. But in my opinion, and don't get me wrong—I'm not an expert like you guys. In my opinion, Betcher's—it's not that he's a bad coach. He—he's—I I think that we don't have a bad player on the defense. I think that the guys are good guys. I think they're good players. I think he—I think he's confusing them. And what I mean by that is, in the beginning of the season, it was. It was press, and then in, and then mid through games he was going zone. The linebackers they look like they don't know what's going on, and we're talking about veterans to rookies. I just happen to think that you know, it, 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 it's like take for example my profession. I'm a supervisor. I got 15 guys working for me. If if these guys are failing at what they're doing, I got to put them where they're not failing. And now it's a little different. Obviously, it's different. But, well, I guess what I'm saying is is he's not utilizing his men properly. I'm telling you, it's a coaching problem. It's not a man problem problem. It is 100%. Um, and, then, and then the flip side, going on, going on, on to the, uh, the, you know, the offense. You know, I think, and again, it's not just me saying it. It's a couple people saying it. There's Mike Francesca saying a couple good big experts. It, he's he's too much of a a, a, a player's guy. He's got to he's got to staple these guys down, hold them accountable for their mistakes, and uh, and I don't think he's doing that. I think he's too soft, and I think Betcher's just as soft. Uh, I just uh, I think it's a coaching problem. I don't have a problem with Dave Gettleman. I am a little nervous with this free cap money that's going to be spent this year. Right. I don't know what to say about that one, but I, I, I be honest with you, I think that the t that the team has got a lot of talent. I think they're they're really good guys. They're just confused. Well, I, and, yeah, Jason, thank you, <laughs> thank you for the call, Jason. Uh, listen, uh, if you want to talk about some coaching moves, I'm not going to dispute that. But uh, and are there some good players? 
on the defense, yeah, there's also some very young players, which is part of the situation. It, it's learning by, by fire. I'm going to make this real simple for you, Russ. When you're 2-8, and eight, that means there are a whole lot of things that yeah. haven't gone right. Yeah, it's top it, to bottom. It's, it, it, fair enough. That, that's, that's basically the best way to put it. You know, I, I don't think it's just a matter of everybody being in the right place. A couple more quick tweets I want to get to because they're pretty good. Clayton Harding says, for those people like me who complained about uh, Daniel Jones, he's talking about himself, not oh, me, yeah, I was but say. about him. At number six, he says, I calm myself by noticing that if the Giants had drafted the same three players in the exact reverse order in round one, no one would have complained. That would have been Baker, Lawrence, and Jones. That was the three first round haul that the Giants got. He says, in hindsight, they're playing up to the order that we took them in. Jones was first, Lawrence was second, and Baker was third. He makes a very good point. That's a very rational point. A a nice opinion. Who did that? Clayton Harding. Clayton, that's a a really good point. It's a very rational point. Yeah, very, very good. Peter Farone says, why does uh, Aldrich Rosas line up for extra points on the left hash mark instead of in the center of the field? Wants to know if we talk to him about those misses. And I can honestly tell you that I have not had that particular conversation, but I'll check on it. No, but but nobody was asking that question when he was making them all last year. No, although I will tell you what, and I'm going to be really honest with you folks, and this may surprise you because I watch so much tape. I don't remember if he did it last year or not. I honestly don't, but I'll go back and I'll look. Yeah, I would be surprised. I don't remember that. I don't remember him doing that. And I'm not even sure how many times he's done it this year. But, Peter, I'll tell you what. I promise you I will go back and look at the tape, and I will talk to Aldrick about this. And if I can come up with an answer for you, I will. I, I just think with field goal kickers, it's like batters in baseball. You get in a slump, and it gets in your head, oh, and it's hard to get out of no it. There's no doubt. And I do I, think he's pressing. And, I really and do. Without – same guy. was The same guy from last the year. The talent's there. Just you miss one, and all of a sudden, I, and I'm believe me, I am there every Sunday. Well, when they're home, I'm there every Sunday watching, and I specifically always want to watch the kicker, kick it at one end and then the other end, and I'm watching his strong leg, and I'm watching him make you know the kicks from beyond the fifty, and I'm saying, okay, Giants don't have to worry today, and then bingo, <laughs> then you worry right away. It just it gets right in, Look, the, right in the old noggin. If there's one thing to say, and I said this two years ago when he was a rookie, at least he's missed kicks in a season where a playoff spot was not in the balance and the missed kick could have cost them a postseason berth. Well, right? That, that, that certainly is a positive way of looking at it. I'm being serious. No, 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 no but that, that is a positive way of looking at it. But at the same point, Work out the kinks yeah. the rest of the season, and the next year come back and hit 100%. No problem. Let's go to Brooklyn, 201-939-4513. In Brooklyn, we're going to check in with Clay. Clay, you're on with Russ and Paul. How are we doing today, Clay? <laughs> I'm doing well, gentlemen. That was my tweet. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Oh, it was, it was uh, very well put. <laughs> yeah, it, no, Clay, that was, that was a really good point. Thank you. Thank you. I'll try not to blow it now. Uh, so... <laughs> I have a couple of questions about some coaching decisions, and of course, you know, I know you guys are there every day. Um, I saw an article uh, on BBView about how we throw to Saquon compared to how other running backs get thrown to across the league, which I thought was a great article, a lot of good information, except that it didn't take into account where Saquon is, not physically where he's, how far downfield, but he catches most of his passes with his back to the defense. He's turning around, he's standing still, and he's catching the ball. So whether it's two yards downfield or eight yards downfield, he catches the ball not having any idea who's coming behind him and with no momentum. Whereas most of those guys, McCaffrey, um, Alvin Kamara, people like that, are catching the ball like on a drag route. They're in full stride. They're out running a linebacker. The quarterback throws the ball out in front of them. They catch it in stride, and they, and they turn it upfield. So my complaint about how we use Saquon in the passing game isn't just that he gets most of his passes either behind a line of scrimmage or at line of scrimmage, it's that he gets them standing still. You, you, you know what, Clay? I, I got to tell you something, Paulie. Clay's a heck of a caller because – no, I, I've – Clay, I never – there are things about the passing game with him that I thought about, which I'll get to, but I never really thought about it till you said it. A lot of times he's getting the ball with his back to the defense. And, and I'm going to – two different runners, two completely different runners. But – 
When Brandon Jacobs was here, I always wanted to see Brandon Jacobs catch that little screen, that little flare, and, and you know, that that's like giving Secretary the chance to get a head start. <laughs> no, because he was so big and strong, and, and you know, right. he was already, you know, had a full head of steam g going upfield. That's a fair point, Clay. I, I, you know, which, quite frankly, listen again. He's been hurt, uh, but sure. if, if that could work, yeah, I, I'd like to see that. Clay, somewhat to your point, you know, Barkley mm -hmm. caught ninety-one passes yeah. last year, and I was very vocal during the off-season based on what I saw during the off-season program and the uh, the spring workouts, and then even the summer camp. I was very vocal that Barkley would have a thousand and a thousand this year. A thousand yards right. in the receiving I game. That. I remember Very that. Very vocal about it, and that didn't come as a pipe dream. We had heard the coaches talk about getting him more involved in the passing game, especially downfield, and how they really wanted him to pick up his route running ability and to polish that up and become a very dangerous receiving threat downfield. This is what right. we were all led to believe. That has not manifested itself for whatever reason. That part right. of the game, which we thought they were going to bring out of the closet, so to speak, never has really come into the daylight. So I sympathize with your disappointment. I can only tell you that um, I certainly had a different perception over the course of the offseason as to how he would be used, and I really haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, Eli threw a pass to him in the, obviously one of the first games, I forget which one, it hit him in the back. As he was, he was running a little wheel route. Yeah, the I remember side. the. I remember and it. Passing me back, and if Eli had held that ball another second and let him upfield, I think he would have scored. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Or even like I said, just a little three or four yard drag route across the field and let the linebacker chase him. The other thing is, if he runs 20, 15, 20 yards downfield two or three times a game, I gotta think it softens up the, the defense for everybody else, even I if know. you don't hit him necessarily. You know, I, I, I look. Drag route. Well, here's yeah, here's but, but, what I know: <laughs> he's a great weapon, and I would love to see it. Right, and one more thing before I go, the two defensive tackles thing, I know a lot of people called and asked about that. If, I, I get that we have depth now, that we have, you know, Leonard Williams and, and B.J. Hill and, and Dex and Dalvin. I personally think we should go 4-3, and I know um, you guys have talked about it, about that as well. Um, you know, even if we're not getting the pass rush, at least we would shut down the run entirely, I think, with those four at the four defensive linemen. But at the least, if we could have three of them on the field more often, it seems like every time there's a gash play, it's because we had two defensive tackles and Golden and Carter on the edges. And honestly, or, or Golden and, and Zimenez, and, and honestly, they're just not as strong against the run. So do you have any sense of why it is that we're doing the due to two defensive tackles as often as we do? Because it obviously isn't working, and we should be great against the run with the bodies we have up front. It has to do with a philosophical approach to the game. And, and the Giants, from their core philosophy and what, what basically the defensive coordinator, James Betcher, wants to do, he's going to base everything out of his 3-4 scheme. He knows the players that he wants to get on the field for the most snaps. He knows how he wants to use them. And, and that's the way he's employing them. Uh, I've said before, uh, a possible suggestion, especially against these power-running teams like Minnesota and Dallas, and I even right. thought against the Jets, uh, a 4-3 a would be something that's an option. I, I absolutely concur with you. I can understand that. I, I think it, it's something that I favor myself, but it's not my call. And I do understand the philosophy of trying to get your best players on the field for the most snaps. That is certainly part, I'm sure, of what the Giants are thinking. Catch you. Uh, Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. All Be right, well. Clay, thank you for the call. That's a really good call. Yeah. Well, he had a great tweet. Are there any other tweets before we... Uh... Uh, don't have anything else right now. It doesn't look like it. Let me try one more time to Giants chat. You know, Russ, it's funny because they're going up against a, a, a team now, and no new tweets have come in, uh, a Bears team, which, again, offensively challenged. Right. You know... How many times do we have to say that besides playing clean, one of the things the Giants really need to be able to do is to control the tempo of the game. Use that running game effectively. Make sure you use the play action. Make sure you control time of possession. Make sure you play from ahead. These are so many simple things that we have talked about. And against an offensively challenged team like the Bears, those things should really get you a victory if you can execute properly. 
shoulda, woulda, coulda. I know. Uh, no, it, 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 you know, when you talk about, but there the are- The point is it's not a hard game plan. Well, no, but, but there are other things. I'll give you an example. And you and I sit next to each other and, and you and I, I, I don't, to me, we can talk to a blue in the face. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. The Giants like to defer and, and uh, get the ball in the second half. You like it the other way. To me, regardless of whatever way it is, here's one of the things you, you know uh, that I think they need to do is, you know those three and outs? Everybody goes to three and outs in a football game. Sure. But there are three and outs at inopportune times. What do I mean by that? Well, obviously, three and out when, when the game is in crunch time, that, you know, that really rears its ugly head. But let's say it's even in the first quarter, and you defer, okay? You defer. And then, then the team starts to kick off, and, you know, wh whether the team scores or not, but especially if it scores, the team has the ball, let's say, for eight minutes. So your offense has been sitting there on the sideline, and then the offense comes out, and then the offense goes three and out. Then the defense is back on there. Mm -hmm. so, you, you, know, you know, so there's one thing of fighting back after the team just is dominating the clock. All right, so we need you to dominate the clock. Or if not dominate the clock, let, let's get a couple, of, a couple of drives going within the drive. And that's that's been a problem. Oh, there's no question. And one of the reasons is because the power running game has truly not gotten going. And that's the primary reason. Yeah. Well, You're not going to control time of possession unless you can pound the football. Listen. Uh, well, in most cases, I get it. The short stuff, can, no, can, no. the West Coast offense and all that stuff, I get it. But pound the football. Listen, that's the easier way to do it. We're talking about a guy who, who missed three games and, you know, has not been healthy. So it's not just anybody. It's Saquon Barkley. You know, as as Paul said, he, he not just pounding the ball, but you know what was it? Ninety one catches last year. Ninety one catches. How, yeah. how much total yards? Two thousand. Well, two over two thousand yards from scrimmage. Over two thousand. Oh, the guy's guy's phenomenal. I mean, that's not about him. No, it's you know, it's about the entire team. But again, it's it's not excuses and and coaches and the players to a man always say next man up. But a lot of times the next man up isn't as good as the man that they're replacing. You know what happens, Russ? So it becomes Russ, an issue. When a lot of things at a lot of different levels are just a little bit off, the net result is you're a whole lot off. Yeah. Really. You know, one of the, you know, when we talk about the draft, to talk about rookies, like, for example, Paul and Clayton brought up the first three guys, you know, in, in the, who the Giants drafted in the first round. All of a sudden, there's been a lot of talk about the guy the Giants drafted in the fifth round. Slayton. You know, hell of a player. There'd have been a lot of talk about Connolly, too, if he didn't well, blow out his knee. Well, without question. But unfortunately, he's hurt. I mean, so when we talk about drafts and future and, and young talent, they're loaded. They, they really are. They've got a lot of terrific young players. Young also remains the operative word, but Connolly was outstanding talking about wearing a microphone and a helmet he, he was he he wasn't doing good he was doing terrific when he went down and Slayton what what impressed me and, and we were talking about it last week I was with you or with David the one thing that impressed me about Slayton last week was he uh, responded to have a very good game after a week in which he had a bad game. Mm -hmm. He had a, that was probably a, 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 his worst game of the season. And for a rookie to respond like that, to come up with such a good performance, I thought that was, that told me a little something about Darius Slayton. Well, he's had to grow up fast. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, he, he has, uh, to me, they liked him, but he has exceeded my expectations. You know, he he's done it at times where he's had to be the man. And and one of one of the criticisms that I had from some of the receivers earlier in the season was they, as I said, they weren't going grabbing the ball. You know, you know, if it was a fight with a defender, they weren't going grabbing the ball. Darius Slayton has done it quite a few times, and he's done it for touchdowns. So to me, um, again, folks. 
We're back for the bye week. You got the the Bears coming up. And now it's uh, let these young guys continue to grow and let the young guys continue to get better. And hopefully we clean up some of the problems and uh, the L's can turn into W's. But right now, we're going to put a wrap on a bow on this one and say um, we'll see you uh, soon. Our thanks to the man across the way taking care of us at the controls, Dave Dominic, to my buddy here, Paul Dottino. I'm Russ Salzberg, and a big time thank you to you people because without you people out there, we'd have nobody here to be talking to. I'll be back here tomorrow with David Deal. See you then.